On today's episode of Back of the Bird, we are pleased to be joined by Rich Lisk of the New York Riptide. We also do a week one NLL preview, talk about the outdoor game, and just catch up on some funny travel stories. Let's get into it. This is episode 68 of Back of the Bird. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. If you want to sign, this is it. You're mad, your magic, you're as hard as a gun. You want to play with fire, consider this. You'll chase the thrill if it's worth it. Cause you never ever want to work for it. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. You got a spine of steel. As always, that was our good friend Boston Levi with his song Run Baby Run. Listen to our most recent episode to hear everything that's new with Boston. Thank you to him for continuing to let us use his music. Let's get into the show. All right, we're back. They I paid them. They You're let back. me host. They, You're back. I'm back. They let me they let me jump back on. I it took some convincing. I almost had to go on a one-week suspension. Um, there might be a fine coming my way. Who knows? But it, we're back together. The gang's back together. Week one of lacrosse happened, but as always, presented by Cotter Springs. Polly, I don't know if you saw it. Some question mark cans. Do you see that little teaser they threw out there? Winter oh, flavors. Really? There's some sort of winter flavors dropping or something. Again, I could be getting caught in a hoax. Could be getting duped. Um, but uh, again, big shout out to them. They've got we got the, I got the vodka water bag and box sitting in the fridge right now, just ready. For just in case you need it, in case you get a long day or something like that. But um, you can drink your vodka sodas in the uh, in the wintertime. Nobody says otherwise. So shout out to Cottage Springs. But uh, yeah, let's just jump right into it. Polly, what's going on? How are we doing? Doing good, man. Um, yeah, just like we kind of said last week, just like into the complete flow of this. I mean, one game, but now you're just like weeks are just laid out here. Right. So just like Monday work workout practice tomorrow so yeah man feeling good um yeah good good first weekend obviously pretty like just typical nll back of the bird travel we had two of our you know best players not have their gear show up friday (laughs) like china like airlines are just maddening like they waited on the phone for three hours and then they're like okay yeah here we'll pass you somebody and then uh as they like passes somebody just drop the call after three hours of waiting to get a hold of somebody so long story short like the boys so it was hoagie tom Ho- thomas hogarth and maddie gilray's gear two pretty good players that yeah we need so like hilarious so gilly uh Gilly had his stick, his head in the bag, which was good, but Hoagie had nothing. So then, like, Smitty, Ryan Smith, he's like, yeah, your stick's pretty close to mine. Cause he's, he's like, yeah, for sure, man. Takes, like, two shots. He's like, hey, do you mind if I, like, change this a little bit? He's like, yeah, no worries. Just, like, completely overhauls his backup <laughs> stick. So now Smitty doesn't have a backup stick. And then, uh, so whatever, they went shopping, got a bunch of gear, shoes, uh, yeah, got a stick out. But then, like, literally just before light warm-ups, our GM, Dan Carey, takes an Uber from the arena, goes and gets a gear at 
fucking Atlanta International Airport and fucking Ubers back to deliver the gear. So they end up getting their gear right before game time. Um, but yeah, that's man, the that's, NLL. I love NLL in a nutshell. That's back of the bird NLL. Just gear doesn't show up, and like the best part is just like no one gave them any answers to like where it was when it was gonna show up. Like, anyways, but yeah. So that was it, man. And then uh, I think uh, if listeners will go back to the the Shane Jackson episode, some of the boys made it down to uh, Johnny Hideaways or Hideaway Johnny's, whatever it's called. Was it called? Yeah, Johnny's Hideaway, I think. Yeah, Johnny's Hideaway. That's it. They said it was. Uh, I didn't go because I'm a loser. I'm old and and loser. But uh, they said it was awesome. Um, serve pints in the lineup. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is, which is actually one of the most incredible moves of all time. I don't know why most people don't think of it. Like to keep people in the lineup. Everyone would wait in the lineup if you were able to have a drink in the lineup. Yeah, hundred percent. So, anyways, that was uh, that was our weekend, man. It's it is incredible. You say it like you said it, but it's incredible what airlines can get away with. Like you're like, you can just be like, Hey, sorry, your flight's canceled. Like just go figure out, get in your bags. And then you like, you'll be fine. Like, it's like, or just delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying and then canceling. Like just, it's like, if you get two delays, you know, you're getting canceled. So just cancel the thing, you know, like I, I just, they can get away with murder. You know, what's hilarious. I, I heard this excuse once um, about a bag. They're like, we can't send your bag if you're not on the plane or something like that. You ever heard that excuse? Yeah. But then, like, literally, that just happened. They sent two bags to them not on the plane. Like, just I feel like they just make up these like random rules and excuses that you can. It's like, no, you you can literally send the bag if you wanted to. Like, it's we had. Uh, I forget when it was. Uh, it was last year, at, like some point. But we had the plane showed up. And they forgot to open the part that holds like the oversized bag. Yeah. The, they didn't offload it. So the plane just left with our gear still in it and then ended up coming back. I guess it went like went somewhere, like it was just going back and forth from New York and somewhere. So we had to get it on like the second trip and they just delivered it all. Like <clears throat> I'd be interested to know what their, what an airline's expenses are on like, like every year on, lost stuff like having to buy new stuff with claims and shit like that or or having to like purulate stuff because like they'll they'll put a single bag to like the craziest remote destination and some guy's driving in a van through the night to go get it to you like it's just like what's the damage on all that over like every year i can't even imagine well i mean i think i told a story on this but like when uh my car seat didn't come from arizona the buddy just ran in the back and pulled out a brand new one no questions asked. Really? Yeah. We came back from Arizona and uh, like we're waiting in the oversized. So like we have this car seat that turns into a stroller. It's like, it was the best thing anyways. It like doesn't show up sort of shit. So like go up, talk to the guy quickly. And then uh, all of a sudden he's like, yeah, just one sec. Don't worry. I'll be back one sec. Like goes out, just full on opens up like in the box brand new opens up he's like this okay we're like yep he's like okay see you later like didn't sign anything (laughs) he's like and we'll deliver that your own currency back to you (laughs) so it's like those things i don't even know how much they're like they're fucking expensive they're like a couple grand aren't they yeah i think so it's like ridiculous so 
I also forgot to say too, that was one of the travel mishaps. Another travel mishap is before we took off. So we get there and then like they're making their pre-boarding announcements. Yeah, you know, we're going to start boarding soon. And now all of a sudden they come on, they're like, yeah, we can't deplane the plane. Um, there's been a problem at the border. All the, all the systems are down. So we can't deplore, deboard the plane. Sorry. All right. Oh my God. So like, it was about two hour delay. These people were sitting on the plane. Oh my God. And then like, okay, um, we just got word that we can uh, start offloading the plane, but, uh, only five at a time. (laughs) So like, like people kind of coming five at a time but then someone like again another like bags of the question especially where we were like why not just release those people into the airport but i don't know hey you can't go to customs but like at least you can go get a bite to eat a fucking drink like just sitting on like what's the difference of sitting on the plane and like just releasing them into the airport and be like hey we'll make an announcement you can go down there yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. Then he, oh, man, we had a, I had an all-time guy sitting beside me, just two two different things he did. One, full speakerphone conversation with the person he was landing in New York to see when we landed. Love that. Like, and then he's in the inside. He goes to go over, like, right when we land, and they go, the noise goes, take your seatbelt off. He goes to step over me, like, to try and get out. <laughs> Cause I wasn't moving. Cause like we were pretty close to the back and I was, I kind of just like, like was shocked. Like I still had my headphones in and then I just like stood up and kind of like stood in his way almost. And then just waited. Like it was, I didn't just, I don't understand. I don't understand when people don't know, like just like the common sense of like, Hey, the front goes before the back. Like, unless you're buzzing off to a connection, it's, I don't know. I don't no, know. It's, it's insanity. Like to get up to, to wait, like just exactly. But that's, that's even more insane if you're on the um aisle seat i get it like i can kind of see you want to get up and stand up but man if you're in the window and the aisle is not getting up you're trying to bypass the aisle and he he was like he he tried he was like gonna do like the hop over my legs like facing me just wrenching my face like just brushing your your lip yeah you can't be doing that but anyways donnie what's up with you brother how are we doing Nothing, boys. Um, obviously, I was off this weekend. Uh, I actually had a funny. This is from uh, two weekends, or uh, yeah, two weekends ago. I was flying out s- Sunday night, and um, my flight got canceled. That's the first time I actually had like a an actually flight actually get canceled. Anyway, so I go back. I get my bags. I go back out, and I'm trying to get them to give me a, a voucher for a hotel in Toronto because I had to fly out super early. Anyways, these people come up looking for their bags. The late the attendants send them back down so your bags are coming out i'm talking to these people for like an hour and then the same people come back up and they're like our bags still are not up and when i saw this guy walk up the stairs i'm like oh my god you're still here you just been waiting all this time and the 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 woman at the gate was basically saying like you need to understand that other flights are leaving and the world doesn't just stop for you and we can't get your bags because they have to get other bags onto the flights that are still leaving and you need to understand that and wait and I was like, that is the craziest logic of all time. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. you it, Like, and one of the women, uh, like the passengers was like, I don't understand that. You keep telling me I need to understand that. I don't understand it at all. Like, I've been waiting for two hours. <laughs> like, send one guy. Send so one I guy can, to get it. So I can go home. It was, it was wild. They, but it was, 
I couldn't say anything because they were being really nice to me and like helping me. So I kind of just had to sit there and and like watch. But as uh, anyways, that that was pretty tough. But uh, yeah, no. Other than that, I'm I'm good. Obviously, we had a buy um, this week, and then I also ended up getting sick last week, so didn't make the uh, we our team practice in uh, back in Ontario, and I was I was kind of stuck here for the week, but ended up getting to watch a lot of lacrosse. Uh, watch both your games and yeah, it was just good to have, uh, have the league back. No doubt, but yeah, yeah. We, I mean, obviously ours, our weekend didn't go as well as Polly's did there, but, uh, I guess, I mean, good game, I guess all around from an offensive kind of perspective and, and things like that and, um, fun one to, to play in, but just, uh, shitty ending, an interesting ending one. I don't, I still don't really understand. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't obviously don't want to go like too much into it, but it's just a, a really weird way to end a game. I've never seen anything really like it, to be honest. And that coming off and then hitting the crossbar on the net that's off and it kind of looking like it's in, but just like no one really having a, a direct rule on it, um, which is weird. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't come down to if, if it comes down to one play, I guess you shouldn't really win a game. Yeah, anyways, and it but. was like, uh, it was kind of like the perfect storm because there's been times where like it's way more conclusive which again like you, you can kind of float it anyways like but like that one is like yeah it hits the post but like if it didn't hit the post one right in like would have been better like um but yeah that's that's where it's tough with this like phantom goal when the goal gets knocked off yeah right you got to kind of imagine that it's going to be there and then you leave it a little bit up into interpretation right and then it's kind of like a fight, right? Never leave it in the judge's score, like in the judge's hands. Like, but yeah, yeah. still a tough, tough way for you guys to, especially after, you know, coming back. But yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I always like, sorry not to cut you off, but like, I know we use like the heavy duty, like magnets now, but I always was, I mean, I guess guys would get murked on crease times. But yeah, like, you run it. like moorings in. Hey, to cement those bad boys and guys would just be getting crushed. Oh, yeah. You would love it. You'd be using it as a turnbuckle. <laughs> It'd be like the old hardcore matches, WWE, just sending guys' shoulders right into the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Paulie using it as a turnbuckle is a good visual. Yeah, like he just gives someone a slap in the chest and just launches them right into it after. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It is, it is what it is. I guess, it, like you said, you don't want to leave it like up to a referee's interpretation anytime in a game. So you kind of want to get rid of that. But um, it'll be an interesting one for the league to kind of see like uh, maybe a rule book change or something. If the net comes off, you just stop the play and get a reset and give the ball back to the O or however the ball or however the net comes off or whatever. But all in all, good game. We had. Uh, uh barstool lurch there the guy from that foreplay pod was buzzing yeah, around for, for warm-up uh he was out there I, I think he must know tyson or something like that but he seems like a good dude when i watch some of those videos he seems like a pretty like happy go lucky dude some of those yeah, guys I, join me on that i'm in that group yeah yeah for sure um i didn't really talk to him but i think some of the guys didn't so he was a pretty good guy so um yeah all in all it's good man good to see some kids back out there like plenty of kids at our games which was really cool um and just interacting with those guys and stuff. That's obviously kind of why you do it. So yeah, we're back in the mix, dude. Tonight, let me tell you, some of the best juju I've gotten in a bit. I, I'm coming home after physio in the gym and like, I'm just like, fuck, I don't really have any food. I don't want to, don't want to keep spending money here. Uber Eats. And I'm like parking my car and there's just like a giant bag on my front porch. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I come up, 
whoever Fatima is, thank you so much for the entire full chicken and veggies and french fries from Piri Piri Chicken that was accidentally delivered to my place instead of yours. I had a fantastic meal and I have enough food, I think, for the for the rest of the week. So Fatima, you are a weapon. I'm absolutely positive you're not listening to this, but um it's uh that's that's a huge that's a huge win for a Monday, that's for sure. So we're gonna we're gonna carry that one on. That's never happened to me before. I didn't know what to do. Like, do you just leave it or do you like I fully grabbed it? Like one of my neighbors was walking by, I was like, Do you know a Fatima? They're like, Nope. She's like, looks like you just got dinner though. It's like, yes, I did. That's all you needed. The one guy. Like, I need hey, one person. Person. Yeah, there's one guy. Like, you're good, man. Like, yeah. all right, like, go. I was like, do you think? They're like, yeah, well, they'll just say it never came and they'll get a replacement one. And like the worst part about it is like, you're not ordering a full chicken, breadsticks, French fries, cold slaw for one. Like that's, that's <laughs> uh, a full family. That's, there's, there's grumpy kids somewhere. I think <laughs> like she's, she came home from a long day of work just did uber eats to try to shut the kids up get them fed and get them to bed just dan eats the whole thing so um i think i might be the villain here but that's all right we got some food out of it but uh do we want to just do maybe a quick little score recap from the weekend there donnie yep sure uh also before the scores just kind of a crazy weekend four guys this week uh had 10 points or more eight guys had eight points or more uh the 10 point crew was uh Church, Teat, Fields, and Matthews. Kind of just a wild, uh, you know, weekend. A lot of high scores, obviously. Um, so started Friday night, Halifax uh, 18 over Philadelphia 8. Uh, looked like on, on TV a really good crowd there in Halifax, so that was awesome to see. Uh, Toronto 19 over Vancouver 8. Another uh, looked like really good crowd in Hamilton. Uh, obviously, San Diego 15 over New York 14. Albany 10 over Buffalo or Albany 11 to 10 over Buffalo. Uh, big win there for Albany. Another great crowd there as well. Uh, Paulie's Nighthawks 16, 11 over Georgia. And then Saskatchewan 18 to six over Colorado. And then Vegas, uh, Panther city and Calgary are all off this weekend. All right. That's our, Here. that's our score review. Um, Thanks for everybody tuned in. Reminder, share it with your friends. Talked to a couple guys at work, said they went over to some like random bar to play some pool Friday night. Halifax Philly game was on every TV in there. So it's love hearing that kind of stuff. It's been on a lot of like loose moose. It's always got it on. Uh, Some tweets like in Cal, like random California bars and stuff too. So they exactly, it's a, Hey, we got to keep catching, capturing these uh, casual fans here. Yeah, no doubt. Even that, like it was cool. Cause like Friday night, usually you got to have like some sort of streaming thing ready to go or whatever. Like, cause we were obviously in the hotel in New York and um, it was just the Halifax game was just on TV. So we just got to surf the channels and boom, it was on. So um, that was great. So keep an eye out for the game of the weeks there. If you don't have any streaming service, if you do check them out um, quick note from our game, shout out to our boy, Calum Crawford there just uh, recorded his 710th assist um, to move him into seventh all time. So pretty uh pretty cool to uh to be able to do that that's a that's a lot of fucking assists jesus but um yeah really really cool so shout out to uh shout out to callum there All right, just a little add-in after we recorded earlier in the week because we're so on top of things now. News is breaking, and it's kind breaking, of breaking, 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 breaking news, breaking news. 
outdoor game to be played between Joe Sai and Joe Sai. Um, Vegas and San Diego. Is it in San Diego or in Vegas? Yeah, at the Snapdragon Arena. What the Snapdragon is the sickest name for an arena. So I what um, is that? I, I don't great again. Great journalist. Like a here. Sick, it's probably if it's like in if it's in California and it sounds like that, it's probably like a sick energy drink or something. It is, it is in California because that's where the champion the world championships are gonna be held. Okay. Um, so I assume somewhere in San Diego, because that's again, that's where the world championships are going to be held, um, this coming year, right? This year, right? Am I wrong that it, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, no it's idea. next, next summer. Uh, yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah. not this coming year, but I meant like 2000. Yeah, it'll be next summer. So yeah, it's, uh, the, the NLL event is going to be on March 4th, uh, at, at 4.30, uh, 4.30 Eastern. And that'll be streamed on ESPN plus and TSN.ca and the TSN app. And then it's going to be on ESPNU the next day. Pretty sweet. It, it sounds like it's going to be a great event. In addition to the Seals Desert Dogs game on Saturday, the stadium is also hosting a women's lacrosse tournament. Oh, sweet. Two games on Friday, two games on Saturday. This stadium is like San Diego, is at San Diego State. I, I thought I read that. But, um, yeah, it, it seems sweet. And, like, more importantly to me, it seems like it just opens up a really cool lane of, of possible events and, uh, there's some cool opportunities, I think, in Canada too, with like boxes that are around in different communities. That would be really sweet on like a smaller, but you know, super, super meaningful local level. So I don't know. I, I, it seems like a slam dunk uh, to me. Yeah, for sure. It's at it is at SDSU, San Diego State University. So you were right, Donnie. Um, again, pretty cool because I think obviously last year they were going to have the Battle of the Midway. Um, on the actual uh, like fighter jet uh, boat thingy. Then that got obviously kiboshed with uh, COVID, which kind of sucks, but that was kind of like, again, going to be the first ever outdoor game. So it's kind of cool that they get to redo it, but it also coincides with this like outdoor championship. So again, just kind of building momentum, which is cool. Then again, you're getting like the girls field tournament or, or whatever the games are. So yeah, pretty, pretty cool. And again, I think, um, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna be awesome for sure. A little toasty for the boys, but I was gonna say it'll be hot. I just you know what? It won't be. San no? Diego, dude. San Diego, seventy-five. That's it. Perfect. Yeah. That's as hot as it gets. Yeah. Um, so it'll be okay. Snapdragon is some sort of like a computer processing company, but um, that was really bugging me. I couldn't figure it out. But uh, yeah, I I think it looks like this stadium's sick too. I'm looking at photos of it. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, It'll be cool to see how they do this, though. Like, are they going to put seats on the field? And then, like, because didn't they play? Weren't, like, the world championships played in the Dome in Syracuse? I saw in Twitter that, yeah. on Twitter yeah. that the, the box floor for the NLL game is going to be in the end zone of the football stadium. So I think it's going to use, like, bleachers on, or, like, the existing seating on three sides and then bring in. Yeah, oh, they close okay. off the one okay. side. But it's going to be on one end of it. That's my understanding. Yeah, That'll and that's cool. kind of that's kind of what they did at Syracuse. Not not quite to that extent, but yeah, they kind of they brought bleachers onto one side, and the one side was like normal stadium seating, I guess you would say. So, um, yeah, which would be cool because, like, the one thing that's good about that is like you limit the amount of seats because like it's gonna be tough. I think it just said it it holds thirty five or fifty five thousand people, like that's tough to sell that out 
but at the same point, like I've gone to, I went to the outdoor game, um, Toronto versus Detroit on, on New Year's day, I think cup like 2015, whatever it was. And like, it's tough to have good sight lines when you're sitting yeah. in the normal seats. Right. So as, as much as it's cool to be there, it's like, it's nice to have a good sight line and be closer to the action as well. So you want it outdoors, but you actually want to like have people experience like the speed of the game and be able to see it. Right. Yeah, just, This is an angle I missed too. Uh, I just was looking at it right now, but it looks like the Hill Academy is going to play on the Friday against Torrey Pines, which is a powerhouse uh, high school program out in San Diego. So they're going to kick cool. off the weekend. So there'll be the, the high school, the NLL, and then the women's, uh, the college wonder, as well. So uh, pretty sweet little event. Yeah, it is a sick event. And I wonder how Mr. Rabel feels about this one. I'd be interested to know because it's kind of like a, I don't know, we're taking our game outside. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's oh, going to be. Is, this is the official invite for you to come on the pot, Paul. Yeah, come talk about it. Give us, give us your thoughts. Um, and because uh, we saw your shout out for the NOL. He did it. He did it. He talked about it and spoke about the league. So. Um, I think I, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how well that relationship goes. Cause it seems like the olive branch has been extended to try to, uh, to school. What do they say? Rate rising tides, raise all ships. So I don't know, maybe that's, uh, yeah. maybe that's in the mix here, but, um, yeah, I guess, uh, is there anything else that's kind of gone on? I don't think so. Right. Back to the show. I think. Yeah, that's, uh, we're going to jump back in. Cause Donnie's going to be an absolute producer wizard and just toss us back in time when we were speaking about this, but we didn't even know what happened yet when we recorded on Monday. So put that in your, in your mind blender. We're back in it, back in the show, breaking news, break over. Paul, can, can I ask a quick question? Uh, I think it was at halftime, but what did you see of the quadruple retirement ceremony and what, like, were you guys yes. for that or no? No, we didn't see. So it was like, we, we kind of went back and forth on it. Um, like, do we go out there and sit on the bench or, like, just wait in the room? And it's like, we end up just deciding to stay in the room and, like, no disrespect to Halsey and those guys. But, like, it was going to be a half hour between ending second warm-up before we were going on the floor. So it was like, once you commit to being on the bench, you're screwed. You like. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's just like halfway through. Yeah, we're out of here. So yeah. we decided to um, stay in the room, and I was hoping that they would have put it on like the jumbotron. So we didn't we didn't hear much of it, really, to be honest. Um, got to talk to them quickly um, just before like the ceremony of face up. So I like walked over, and it was uh, yeah. So it was just Halsey, um, Joel White, and uh, Pooley, Mike Poolin. So I like, just walk over. I'm like, hey, is there something going on here tonight? Or like, what's going on? <laughs> so we had, a, we had a good little laugh there. Um, yeah, so I know I didn't, I didn't see. We decided to stay in. Again, like, you want to give those guys the respect. But when you see that it's going to be, when it's one person, right, you know, it might, it might be 10 minutes. But, yeah, once you saw the half hour, it's like, we got to at least stay in the room, stay loose here. because Yeah. It's if a long time. Yeah, if, you, if you're gonna go to the bench for that, you gotta bring like snacks or something. <laughs> <laughs> and you just see me doing some dynamic warm-up, getting the <laughs> glutes activated, just ruining the whole ceremony. <laughs> we should we shut her down. But uh no, congrats to those guys. And just kind of on that on that note, you know, I don't know if we I don't know, we'll maybe get the NLPA to, to sponsor this pod, but we got a couple other milestones this past 
past weekend a lot of milestones geez i may have just opened up pandora's box we got cody jameson 300 goals Stephen keel 400 career points Stephen orleman thousand minutes played uh riley o'connor 300 career points jeremy thompson 2000 face toss one i think that bumped him somewhere in the top 10 or something like that Stay hot, Paul. Um, 400 <laughs> career points for Jordan McIntosh. 600 loose balls, Nick Weiss. 400 cost. This is actually a, just a banana stat. Uh, Kyle Rubish, 400 cause turnovers. I think the next closest person is like 150 away from him. Uh, Ryan Keenan, 100 career goals. And Jordan Gillies, 100 games played. So congrats to all those milestones. That is brought to you by the NLLPA. And, uh, yeah, so just giving some boys some love. A couple of milestones. Pretty cool. Some big ones. Some there's some big ones and some uh, some not so big ones. But, <laughs> guys, not. Stuck it. <laughs> some less big ones. Some, some not so big ones. Oh, God. I forgot to mention, too. I was getting some flag for it, but just uh, they thought I set it up. But on the flight home from New York, 9 a.m., I am just a- ass against the shitter, ready to rock, okay. flying out, all the boys flying together. So that was, a, that was a nice little laugh, I think, for everybody. But speaking of milestones, you guys see the, uh, I, I must have, I missed it live, but the graphic they put out of Teddy Jenner. Oh, dude, I wanted to repost it from our thing. What an absolute shriveling. Well, I didn't see. Oh, they did. I'll I'll try to I'll track it down and I'll text you. But just for like listeners, they put uh, Teddy Jenner and Dan Dawson side by side and did like goals, assists. It was <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. So Teddy got drafted 11th overall, I think, and my brother was like 168. So they they combined they compared the career statistics. It was an absolute shriveling. That's Whoever amazing. Teddy, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty funny. Teddy. Obviously played a lot. The, the only thing that Teddy had on him is Dan's never done play-by-play before. That was that was the ongoing joke, which was pretty funny. That is good. That's yeah. That's uh, that's quality stuff. Speaking of quality stuff, our boys at Bar Down Lacrosse they made some Riptide gear and. Oh, yeah. Sent it, sent it out. Uh, I sent it out to uh, to New York, and I just sounded so Canadian when I said out there. But uh, sent it out to uh, to New York, and it was sold out by the first quarter. No so, way! Yeah, it was a it was a hit with everybody. Um, I just saw that they partnered with Huntsville Hawks Lacrosse too to uh, to do some apparel, and it sounds like they got something brewing with the NLL across the league coming up. So. And maybe something else in the works They're from a friendly neighborhood podcast. Who knows? There could be something coming. So um, stay tuned for that. I say it every damn time. Stay tuned. But listen, these are these aren't quick processes. We're businessmen now. We have to uh, we have to figure out the right opportunities, not just any opportunity. So, um, yeah, we're excited about that. They're obviously stepping the, the game up. I think the more you can see people buying clothes that aren't just like you know, it doesn't just say the name of the team or whatever. And it's not like a nice piece of clothing. Like the more you get nice apparel that people enjoy wearing around, the more it just advertises for itself. You're a walking billboard at that point. So um, really, really exciting stuff. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think what else is going on. I guess outside the sports world, you see this video of Drew Brees, the fake thing of him getting struck by lightning. 
Yeah. It looks real. The first time you're like, wait a minute. Like, yeah. And then, and then dude, the pardon might take guys going after Ravel because he like thought it was real, said he was dead or something. And then they say and he gets he got duped and he's like, no, I didn't get duped. And it was an ongoing thing, which is uh, I had a blast laughing that one, dude. The other thing that did you see this video of uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans? They were turned giving the middle finger to the. Oh. To yeah, the yeah. Titans yeah. owner suite, and it's fucking yeah. Bryce Wasserman sitting there. <laughs> yeah, because his girlfriend owns. Yeah, the I, think, yeah. I think so. Yeah. So yeah. he's just like sitting there, like trying not to be upset at oh my God. Ocello, Ocello was having a heyday with that. Yeah, he made about 15 memes with it. Which yeah. Is, is classic Nick. He just beat beating the snot out of a joke. Just yeah. We love him for it. We yeah, love him for hilarious. it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Uh, nothing else really. Well, a couple. I mean, like, couple. Uh, obviously, we did our season preview um, that dropped before the before this weekend. But Lax Mag again, our uh, our pseudo insider slash newsbreaker slash non affiliated, but we are affiliated. They dropped their top hundred plus their player poll, which was which was pretty cool. Um, couple cool little questions again like putting a little bit of a new new school spin on the cross and then uh il indoor put out their top 50 and i think what top 30 defensemen top 30 forwards top seven goaltender something like that yeah that's right so yeah. just a couple cool uh um couple cool reads for some people not for me but for some people <laughs> probably a couple mentions for you there in the uh in the player pool. True, true. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Trash he talker. Was, he was yeah. listed in the trash talker and the uh and the best fighter as well. So yeah, the player pool was was cool. It was like some spicy questions in there. Um yeah. you know interesting, hey, like good for the good for Laxmag for doing it and good for the players for answering. And um, yeah, some like interesting spicy stuff in there. But fun. that's like that's kind of the stuff we need, right? Like again. You hear it all the time, like hockey and stuff like that. Again, we don't need like we don't need to go overboard, but again, we need to like show personalities. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, guys need to know who's who. Like, guys need to know who's a dirtbag, who's a chirper. Like, it just adds it adds to like when you're watching the game now. Now, if you like see me running around, it's like, oh, that guy is like the best chirper or whatever. It's like that makes sense why he's just like running around like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. And uh, my apologies to Lax Meg for forgetting to answer the email that had those questions. So I'll get you back. Don't worry. Somehow, whatever you need, I'll do it because you're our insider, and I feel bad about that one. But um, is is it uh, anything else um, before we pass it over to uh, to Beauty Beauty this week? Because he's back again, our first three time guest. Oh, he's been on more than three times at this point. <laughs> I think Beauty Beauty's a, our is first fourteen-time guest. Beauty yeah, it's Beauty. a recurring segment. Real quick, did we have any? Is episode sixty-eight today? And we have any sixty-eights on the? Oh yeah, there's Larson, a ton. Larson Sundown. Yeah. Or, there you go. Okay. We got to give a big the original. Show. You got to do the, the original sixty-eight. Sean Gillies. Yeah, let's go. Six-eight. He's gonna love this one. He had to hopefully listen all the way to this, but um, there's an inside joke as to why he's six. Why he's called sixty-eight. 
um, which I think we'll leave off this, but um, <laughs> it's uh, it's an all timer. Um, and uh, yeah, so happy Sean Gillies, Larson Sundown. Yeah, that was like t- Tyler Pace. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a ton. I yeah, think. there's a lot. Those are just kind of off the top of my head. I think Chow might have Chow. I think Chow wore it for like the for Team Canada um, in the World Games, and then like I think a few guys wore it. Um, but uh, yeah, hilarious number. So um, anything? I'm trying to think. Nothing really else to bring up. I can't think off the top of my head um but yeah you know what why don't we just send it over to beauty beauty for now we'll see if we can think of anything after all right there he is beauty beauty presented by lucky penny media (laughs) at lucky penny media we're a full service marketing company without hefty agency pricing we understand your brand is everything to you and when working together it means everything to us you're more than just a client you're a partner and a teammate our philosophy is simple you grow i grow we grow took one episode off forgot i had to do that part here he is beauty beauty All right. We are pleased to be joined by our next guest, the man that's had over 25 years of experience in, in the sports world, um, you know, with stops at the, uh, the WWF, I guess it would have been at the time, um, into, uh, into, you know, obviously with lacrosse now, Arena Football League, um, East Coast Hockey League, you name it, he's done it. We're excited to have him. He's a G- former GM of the year, Rich Lisk. Welcome to Back of the Bird. How are we doing? I feel like I finally made it. All You're those here. trips on the back of the bird. Every time I'm on the back, I take a picture. I say, what it has to get me on the show? So yeah. I'm excited to, to be here, guys. We, we had to get to uh, 10 photos. That was the uh, <laughs> that was the final 10 photos. I don't know what that yeah. says, that 10 times I get stuck in the back of the plane all the time. I but... know. I was going to say, now we're, we're kind of throwing the person who's booking the flights under the bus. I'm going to have to have a talk with CJ. <laughs> yeah, seriously, but um yeah again again appreciate you taking the time and, and i think it's this is gonna be a cool episode for us because i don't we've never really had uh you know a gm perspective somebody who's had you know seen different leagues and um you know i'm excited to, i think paulie's foaming at the mouth to dive into the uh to the wrestling stuff for sure and and i think more than anything too to to give a perspective to the listeners on you know what it's like to build a team in our league and then you know also to to run a team from from the front mm-hmm. office and and how everything works so I think, uh, you know, like we do with most of our guests, I think it's a, you know, good idea to start from the top. So what's, uh, whereabouts did you, did you grow up, Rich? So I, um, well, first and foremost, Paul, I don't think we've ever officially met. So it's nice to meet you and, and, and John, um, and stuff. So I, I grew up at the Jersey shore. I grew up at the Jersey shore. I grew up in a little town called union beach, New Jersey. Um, our claim to fame is that when hurricane Sandy hit, it had the most houses that was, that was lost in, in hurricane Sandy. Um, was there, um, for my whole life. And then after I went to Monmouth college, my first year in school, and then I I went to Rutgers, transferred into Rutgers and at Rutgers, I wanted to be in sports marketing. And, um, so I went to my, my guidance counselor and I said, Hey, I want to be in sports marketing. She sent me to Madison square garden and said, go do an internship. And I had two internship opportunities. I could have sat in a room and cut tape for the New York Knicks, or I could have went and worked in boxing. So I went downstairs to the felt form. We used to put on monthly boxing cards and they hired me as their intern. And uh, it was great. There was five of us, six of us in the department. I got to sit in on the matchmaking and they would say, you know, let's take a guy from Brooklyn and have him fight a guy from the Bronx and that'll fill up felt forum. And we did that monthly and um, it was, it was awesome. Um, I met my first mentor there, a guy by the name of Steve Griffith, who I've had the opportunity to work with later on in life. 
And I was 19 years old. And it was also a great experience because it taught me also how to be an adult. Like I was living in a fraternity house at Rutgers University and I had to put on a suit every day and get on a train and travel. And uh, as, as Dan knows, I like to talk and, and I'm a, a gregarious and my hands are always going and stuff. And I get on the train and I'm a 19 year old kid. I'm like, hey, how's everyone doing? And people yeah. are like, yeah, just shut up and sit down. <laughs> we don't really talk here. Just yeah. sit there. This guy so must be. This guy that. must be new. He hasn't had his soul oh, eaten by the commute yet. <laughs> exactly. I wasn't that curmudgeon yet, and uh, but it was great working in the garden. And then uh, I didn't get paid. I got uh, about fifteen credits to do that. But they gave me one job, and every month my job was at the events. I would sit at ringside with the round card girls, and I would walk them up onto the ring, open the ropes, let them walk around, sit them back down, and they gave me twenty five dollars. So I was steal. all excited for 25 bucks. And some people would pay to do that job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. It was interesting. And then I, I graduated college and I thought I was going into boxing. Um, I met my wife um, in high school. We're high school sweethearts. We went to the prom together. We went to college together, um, been together with her for 36 years. Oh. And she's one of seven. And her brother worked in um, advertising in Atlantic City. Her, uh, his assistant was a lady named by name of Marie Dillon. Marie Dillon's husband was a guy named Bernie Dillon. Bernie Dillon was Donald Trump's right-hand guy and put on all the boxing matches in Atlantic City. Oh, so wow. I got an interview. I thought I was going to work in boxing in Atlantic City. And uh, he said, I don't have a job for you. Why don't you go work at the World Wrestling Federation? And I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to work in wrestling. Like, I want to be in real sports. But I was delivering beer. I was getting married. I'm like, I got to do something. So I gave this guy my resume. This guy's name was Basil DeVito. I never heard from him for like three weeks. And then I just picked up the phone and called him. And he just picks up the phone. He goes, we just fired someone. Can you be in Stanford, Connecticut tomorrow for an interview? So I drove to Stanford, Connecticut, never been out of New Jersey, drove to Stanford, Connecticut, um, go to the World Wrestling Federation, have this interview. We didn't have cell phones, get back in the car, drive home. I was living with my grandmother. And um, I get home and they call me and they go, we want to offer you the job to work with us, $22,000. And you can, um, you, you're going to be a pay-per-view coordinator. So I started working there and, and the pay-per-view coordinator consisted of older people like myself. You would get a cable bill and inside the cable bill was a little piece of paper that said, watch WrestleMania. I was the guy who put that little piece of paper inside your bill, 50 million <laughs> of those things. And I would have to distribute them around the country. Oh, so I did that for a year. It was yeah. fun, exciting, moved to Connecticut. It was great. Um, got married. And then um, I went to that. I went back to Basel and I said, I really want to get into live event promoting. So they put me on the road and it was basically, here's your wrestling card. You're going to go to LA. You're going to live in LA for six weeks. You're going to get 20,000, $25,000 to use as your budget. Here's your card. Go live there for six weeks, promote the show. And then at the end of six weeks, we're going to move you to another city. And I cut my teeth that way. And I was on the road as a promoter um, for three years, three to four years. It was great. Um, I learned a lot, met a lot of the guys, did a lot of work. I, I worked on a lot of the pay-per-views. I, I did the first um, in-your-house pay-per-view. That was mine. Um, I set the attendance record at the Palace at Auburn Hills for SummerSlam with Lex Luger against Yokozuna. Um, I did the Deck of the Intrepid event where Yokozuna got slammed by Lex Luger. That was my event that I did. Um, so it was fun. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was really a good time. Paulie, I'll pass it to you, buddy. You gotta, gotta, you gotta have some, some questions for him here. Yeah. Well, like, uh, so who, who are you working with closely there? Like, I mean, yeah. again, you're, are you just booking the events or are you, are you say you're working with some of the talent? Like what, what kind of is your, your go-to obviously start like just 
licking stamps to now yeah, booking yeah. fully full events. <laughs> so are you dealing with like the talent or like who yeah. are you kind of dealing with? Because you obviously just mentioned like Yokozuna, Lex yeah. Luger, like couple couple legends and obviously Lex slams him the one time he's the only guy to ever slam him or whatever but so who, who are you kind of working yeah. with mostly there so it was interesting we uh my my direct boss would get the wrestling cards they would get all the events from the bookers and then they would divvy them up and and they would say you have this part of the country you have this part of the country and you worked with all the talent when you got to the market i was really the their main contact in the in the market there was some you worked with more closely they would say you know um owen hart's going to come in two weeks early take owen and do all your press with owen so i got to be close friends with owen i knew bret hart very well um i got i became friends with the smoking guns really well i traveled with the smoking guns billy and bart gun for a long time we were on the road together i didn't know anything about country music nor did i like alan jackson and that chattahoochee song but i've listened to it a thousand times um tatanka i traveled with tatanka a lot the one two three kid and then um towards the end of my tenure um, I, I had a pay-per-view background, so I came back in the office to be the director of pay-per-view. So I was the guy who booked the satellite time and Vince would say, you know, we're going to get this event off the air in two hours, 59 minutes and 59 seconds. And I was the guy who made sure that it was off the air, um, placed all the advertising for the pay-per-views and helped run the pay-per-views. And then during my tenure there, I really got to work a little bit more closely with Vince because um, he came to me at the end and said, um, I want you to be Diesel, Kevin Nash's ex personal guy. So wherever Kevin Nash goes, we're going to make him the new Hulk Hogan. You're the guy that goes with Kevin. And um, the first thing I ever did with Kevin was we did the Rock and Jock MTV softball game. Um, we did this. Uh, we were on a, a celebrity softball team where he, he participated. We went to the Oklahoma City when they had the bombing there. We did a celebrity softball game on ESPN. We did Knicks games. We did the John Stewart talk show, all these old MTV shows. So wherever he went, I was his handler and I reported back to Vince on that. And I got a chance to work with Vince. Stephanie McMahon was actually my intern at one point and Shane was my age. So we hung out together and, and, you know, Shane used to say like, you're, we'd go out to drink and you're not gonna tell my dad. And I'm like, well, I'm not gonna tell your dad. I, I'm fine <laughs> with this. You're, he's your dad. Huh? We could go out drinking all you want. That's, that's a good thing. So it was, uh, it was fun. And, and Vince was very good to me. He was very good to me. I had my son at that time. I used to bring my son to the office and Stephanie would help babysit and Vince would take him into his office. And, and, and a few years later, I, I met up with them at WrestleMania. I went to WrestleMania with a friend and they asked me, my son's name is Bump. And uh, they came right up to me. How's your son Bump? How's every, how's he doing and stuff? He was a little kid at that time. So um, yeah, it was, it was great. I, I, I always tell people that the best thing I ever did was work at the World Wrestling Federation because they threw you in and said, go, go, go do this. And you can't make any mistakes. And then working with Vince, he never it was never no. It was always, why can't we do this? And, you know, he'd call up and say, uh, I'm going to get Lawrence Taylor to, to play, be in an event. What do you think? And I'd be like, oh, he's be great. He'll he'll be in the corner with one of the guys. He goes, no, I'm going to get him the rest. He just retired. He's an athlete. He wants that competition. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse. So he's going to wrestle. And he would do it. And people would be like, oh, you're never going to get him to wrestle. Yeah, we did. Um, we're going to give away a house. He's like, can we give away a house on TV? We're like, yeah. He goes, all right, send somebody down to Florida, buy a house on Thursday, have the house given away on Saturday on TV. Wow. So learning from him was awesome. Awesome experience. Who was, uh, you mentioned again, uh, you're just name dropping some legends here, but so obviously like Kevin Nash becomes, you know, maybe didn't come like the, Next Hulk Hogan, but he's, you know, one of the biggest wrestlers, you know, with NWO yeah. and, and leaves all that point. But like, who is like, who is one of your favorite guys to work with? 
I would say Kevin and I still talk to this day. I'm actually trying, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get Kevin to work with us at the Riptide. So that would be, that would be kind of fun to do some stuff with us. So I still talk with just Kevin. May, just awesome. make sure, sorry to interrupt you, just make sure oh, maybe it's when the Nighthawks come into town then. Yeah, you can get Paulie <laughs> to wrestle them at <laughs> halftime. Exactly. We'll Absolutely. set something up, some, something at halftime for sure. Anything for the league, you know, anything for I the Riptide, you. just throw the game. I get you. See, you're a league guy. I like that. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Owen Hart was great. Owen was a good friend. Bret Hart. And when I was with the Black Wolves, Tracy Kluski got inducted into the Calgary Hall of Fame. And Tracy and, and, and Brett are very good friends. And Tracy was in, Brett, in one of Brett's weddings. And uh, I got a chance to sit with Brett again and be there. And we rekindled and talked and stuff. He was a really, really, really good guy. Uh, Tatanka, I did a lot with him. He was a good guy. Shawn Michaels, the one, two, three kid. Now Sean Waltman, yeah. he was involved with a lot of those things. Um, that was kind of the era I was in. Yeah, was, was that era? I didn't get the Rock or Stone yeah. Cold you were just before, that. so that was like you just missed the Attitude Era, I guess. Yeah, right? yeah. I was in that PG era where everyone had yep. a, mim a mimic, a gimmick, and it was all yep. PG and stuff. And we just brought Hulk Hogan back, who. Um, is not one of my favorite people. He was not a very good person to, to me um, there. He just was, yeah. you know, he was Hulk Hogan. Yeah. It didn't really matter that much to me. Yokozuna was a good guy. I enjoyed Yoko. He was a good guy. What? Uh, so, I mean, you mentioned kind of doing this, like the six week rotation traveling kind of roadshow. Yeah. What, what are you learning about these guys? Like, how are they, how are they acting? And like, what, what's going on off the, I guess, I don't even know how, how you phrase it. I want to say off the floor, but um, outside of the ring, what are these guys like? How, uh, how PG is your podcast? It's how whatever, anything, <laughs> anything goes. Hey, listen, you know, we, you know, you'd go from town to town. Like our, our, our thing was we'd fly into like Boston and do TV tapings. And then they'd say, okay, now you got to do the little towns around Boston. So we jump in a car and we'd go to the next, go to the town and you wrestle you wake up the next day, you go to the gym, you, you know, you try to eat right. I mean, most of them did. I didn't, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have to wrestle. So I would just go to the next town, do what I had to do. And then there was always an after party at the hotel. And then you try to get them in the car and get them to the next place and to the next place. And, and a lot of the times they would give me, um, they'd say, okay, the next couple of weeks, you got to take uh, Tatanka to all these different places. So I would try to travel with him and keep him, um, and keep him um, going from place to place as, as best as possible. Cause sometimes it's like herding cats and, and they would take off and then I'd have to go and find them and try to get them back on, on track. So that was, it was a lot of babysitting, but uh, most of the time, I mean, almost all the guys that I've dealt with were very respectful and it's a business. I mean, if you don't wrestle, you don't get paid. They yeah. got paid by the match. So it was tough. We were on the road a lot. I think one year I was on the road, like 200 days. Um, uh, doing the tv tapings and then coming home on like a tuesday and then going back on a friday that's crazy wild absolutely yeah wild. it was fun it was there was some really kevin and i had some really good times i, I was just telling a, a story to someone where when we did the mtv rock and jock softball game i'd never met um kevin before and Vin said you're going to be his handler so i went to nassau coliseum actually to meet with him and he wrestled first and we got in the limo and he said uh three things. Do you, do you like to drink beer? And I said, yeah, yeah, no, I like to drink beer. He goes, do you chew tobacco? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I chew tobacco. And he, he said, did Vince give you that black American express card? He told me he was going to give you that we have to pay for everything on. I go, yeah. He goes, well, we're going to get along just fine <laughs> and, uh, on a plane. And we went to California. <laughs> That's unreal. Were you, uh, 
Were you ever close to like getting into wrestling or are you always just behind the scenes? Like did that, did that oh, no, ever yeah. interest you? They, uh, a couple of times they would take the office people like myself and, and put us in different cat and different things. Like I was a reporter once and, and had to ask the iron Sheik a question. He threw a chair at me. Um, <laughs> I had to be play a doctor once at a house show. And uh, when Doink and Dink were around, yeah, yeah. Um, Dink, <laughs> Dink got hit off the uh, ring apron and I had to run down and act like I was a doctor and then pick him up and run to the backstage. And they told me to dump him in a garbage can. So we threw him in a garbage can. He couldn't get out of the garbage can. And, um, and then for a little while, I was an announcer, a ring announcer for them, like an in-arena host where I would get kids to go into the crowd and to pull them out of the crowd and put them in the ring with the guys and give out merchandise and things. And then they would film that and bring it back to the office. And they'd, if they would say, uh, you know, if you weren't in Indianapolis this week, this is what you missed. Be in Indianapolis next week and this is what you'll see. So I did a bunch of that stuff, too, which was uh, which was fun. You know, I was in my 20s and I was like 20 two to 27 28 in that area so it was uh yeah it was it was a blast it was so much fun that's your first job you couldn't have asked yeah, for something better that's, that's that's what i was gonna say it's kind of a that's a funny position to like throw someone in right after you finish school and you're like hey, what is what is the real world right now this is this isn't oh. so bad here i mean it travels tough and everything but it's like you're you're seeing some pretty awesome stuff on the road i would imagine yeah we'd have like celebrity like i did a um a survivor series in san antonio once we had Chuck Norris in the event and we got a chance to meet with Chuck Norris and this guy, Nick Taturo, who was on NYPD blue. And then we had to get the wrestlers back to do the Macy's day parade. So we binge charted a flight and we all got on the flight to get back. Cause I was handling them to get to the Macy's day parade and being on a plane with a bunch of wrestlers after they wrestled in a pay-per-view event with the open bar and, uh, and, and, and on a private jet was pretty fun. I, I, I that was, a, that was a highlight of, uh, yeah. of hanging out there. Yeah, there's always, I mean, there's a couple, there's a couple plane stories that, that have surfaced out through the years. <laughs> I wasn't years on that of, plane to hell. No, I wasn't I know. on that plane ride from hell, that one. That was yeah, where, where Ricky Flair comes out with <laughs> like a true nature boy where he's got nothing on, but oh yeah, um, I can only imagine I was in, private planes. I was that, in Sacramento the first time Rick came into the Royal Rumble. That was one of my events too. Oh, no um, I was helping someone and I remember in the bar afterwards and people were like, oh, do you know Rick Flair? Do you know Rick Flair? I said, I've, I've never met him before. And he walked in and he did the whole styling, profiling, got up on the bar, <laughs> threw a credit card down and it was uh, it was a long night. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So what, how do you like, Said, you're young and everything like great but how do you transition out of the wwe well there was two things i, I we used to joke around in the office too is that wwe stood for well, at the time it was wwf we, yeah. stood, we worked we worked for free it wasn't uh, i wasn't making a lot of money and i was living in fairfield connecticut and i had my first baby i had my first son bump and uh it was just time it was time i didn't want to be on the road so much um uh, you know, you didn't want to get pigeonholed into wrestling so much. I mean, I love mm -hmm. the, the business and I love working there, but I had offers to go to WCW and, and do stuff with them, but I didn't want to go to Atlanta and things. And I'm kind of an East coast homebody. So I, I decided to, uh, chase the money and I left and I went to a job out of the sports industry. It was more in the pay-per-view pay cable industry and I hated it, but it allowed me to move to, uh, Lawrenceville, New Jersey, where we wound up putting our roots down. My wife's one of seven four of her brothers and sisters and my nieces and nephews lived there. So we went there, lived there for uh, 25 years and then finally moved. Um, we finally moved just recently to the Jersey shore to live on the, on the beach. But when I was, I just had to, I was just done. It was hard. It was really, really hard to have a family 
and I wanted to get back into to sports. And I had an opportunity to do this job. And then I, after that job, I flipped out and went to the Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. And I was the marketing manager actually for the Wings. They were one of my clients and I did, um, and I did all the family shows and I did that for two years and, and got bit by the hockey bug through the Phantoms. We started the, the Philadelphia Phantoms. I was their marketing director. And then um, I got called by my hometown. Trenton, New Jersey started a team called the Trenton Titans in the East Coast Hockey League. And I became their uh, vice president of sales and marketing for uh, two or three years, I think. And then I became the assistant GM. And then I rose up to be the president and GM. And uh, we won the championship in 2005. And then, you know, you did everything you could do. I was there from the very inception. I was the third employee to winning a championship. And then uh, I got called by a group to run an arena football team in Philly. And, and it was owned by John Bon Jovi and yeah, the soul, uh, Ron right? Jaworski, the soul. Yeah, yeah. And, I got to work side by side with John for three years. And that was a great experience. He was such a visionary. So what's, he, what's he like? I tell you, he's, I, it's funny because I joke around all the time because he grew up in the town next to me. I was going to say, he's Jersey a Jersey Shore. guy, right? Yeah, he yeah. was in the town next to me. He's a little bit older than me. So okay. growing up, I mean, living on a prayer was to, if you're not a Springsteen fan or a Bon Jovi fan, you don't live in New Jersey. Um, so it was interesting. He's in Cerebell and I'm in Union Beach. So the first time I ever met him, I didn't interview with him. I interviewed with his, uh, his partners and Ron Jaworski was one of our partners and stuff. And then Richie Zambora was a silent partner and these other guys. So I interview with these guys and John comes in the first day in the office and he's sitting behind my desk and I walk in and he said, oh, you must be my new GM. And I said, yep, I'm your new GM. And he gets up and he sits across from me and I go, hey, you know, we have a lot in common. I grew up in Union Beach. You grew up in Saraville. And he looks at me, he goes, yeah, thank God you got out of that town and just walks out of my <laughs> office. And I was like, oh, what's to talk about? And then we started talking and, and hanging out. And, and I realized that he was a huge, huge, huge football fan. Like he was involved in every decision. I talked to him every day. Um, we went to practice together. We've been to all the games together. He was the, he was one of the greatest, uh, bosses, I should say that I ever worked with. And that's where I got the, the moniker. And Dan hears me say it all the time that when we look for players, we look for men with character and not characters. And that's who he taught me that he taught me that rich, you surround yourself with the right people, whether they might be a little bit, you know, you, you they might be a little less on the, on the talent side, but they make the team that's what you need to do and find the right character fit people. And uh, I learned a lot from him on that side of the business, a lot from him. I he think, was great. Uh, and it's an interesting, you know, kind of transition to, and we're obviously going to get into lacrosse stuff, but I mean, how, what was it, what's it like to kind of, you know, create a franchise is created and you've got to try to figure out, you know, get an identity for the team, get them involved in the city they're in and establish yourself in the league while also, you know, obviously making money to, to stay afloat. And how does, yeah. you know, how do you, how do you manage all the, those things and how do you create a plan from a clean slate to, to kind of have success? With, with John, it was easier than anything I've ever done because he's the best business card you could ever possibly have. You know, he could, he set the tone. He wanted the team to be called the Philadelphia soul to play off of that music. Um, he wanted it to be involved in the, um, in the community. So we took on homelessness as our, uh, as our big uh, initiative and building houses for people. So we did that where the players were involved. Um, he did everything from talking about colors and how we're going to look at things. And we came up with our moniker when we won the championship, it was called United because he wanted you Y O U 
to be in United because the fans were part of us. You are part of us. So we played that a lot. Um, you know, it was easy too when he would say, yeah, I'm going to go on Oprah. I'm going to wear the brown shirt with Philadelphia soul on it, get ready to sell 5,000 t-shirts. And the next day we sold 5,000 t-shirts. So I, I felt bad for other teams in the league because, you know, we didn't, we were one of the only teams that made money. If the only team that made money and I had John Bon Jovi, like I couldn't imagine the Tampa Bay team who had Dr. Phil Stevens, who was a chiropractor in Tampa, you're not having the same cachet as that. You know, you, you don't get to, uh, you know, a funny story with John is that we were trying to land this big free agent and John had us bring him to a concert and he stopped the concert and told the crowd to chant, sign with us, sign with us. <laughs> and the guy signed with us and we won. Um, wow. We were trying to, we were trying to land a big sponsor and the, and the car company Saturn. We had a small sponsorship with them, like, like 75 grand with the team. But John said, you know, I think we can do more with them with the foundation and stuff. So the president was a woman. She flew in to Philly. We gave her a tour of Philly. Next thing you know, we were on a private plane flying to the Hamptons and he picked us up and we went to his house and we had drinks and he took her to the Palms. And at the end of the night, we got all got back on the plane and she signed a million dollar sponsorship. So I was like, I was just there to get the paperwork and stuff done. Yeah. So that was an easier run than say like, um, you know, the Titans, when I did the Titans, it was a little tougher because it's minor league hockey in Trenton, New Jersey, like Trenton, New Jersey is not very nice. And it's a hard market to sell tickets in. And um, we, we played off of it because it was an old steel city. So we built the team like a steel team. And we had three 300 penalty minute guys on the team the first year. And, and, and we built it as more like a bed and breakfast community. Like this is your community team and marketed with like, I would say zero to five miles. We didn't sell tickets, but five to 25 miles was where we really got into it and, and got the suburbs to come into Trenton to do it. So it was a lot of grassroots and things where in Philly, it was more of that national part of it where John could go on NBC and get them to know our name. So it was a little bit, a little bit different. And then here in, in, in New York, it was a little tougher because I, I just had a meeting with someone the other day and we were talking about this. I don't think we started off very well. Dan was here before so he knows um i don't know if we have the right people in place to do everything and then we go one and 12 and we only had five or six home games and then the pandemic hits and then the building shuts down and the league shuts down for 18 months and you couldn't have had a worse scenario for a team to launch and i just think we had to sit back and say what were we good at what did we want to be what plan could we put in place to really get people to come in on the lacrosse side and on the on the business side and I put together two five-year plans, one on the lacrosse side, one on the business. I presented that to the owners. And I'll say the biggest thing that helped us really kind of start to turn around this franchise and was our ownership group that said, you know, during the pandemic, we're not going to furlough anybody. We're not going um, to let anybody go. Rich, what resources do you need? Build the office. And we built the office over those 18 months to sell tickets. We had two ticket sellers at the beginning, and now we have eight you know, two directors and six ticket sellers. And wow. we're starting to see it grow. Last year, we had eight luxury boxes or VIP boxes sold. This year, we have 31 sold. So we're, we're making strides, but it's a, it's a grind. It, it, it's, it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is. You have to think and eat and sleep and breathe this thing every day. For sure. And so what, like, obviously you want to like work in sports and obviously you've kind of like, you know, lacrosse, indoor football, WWE, hockey everything what what's your sports background like what'd you grow up playing i played i played baseball 
up okay. to uh, college. I thought I was going to be the next shortstop of the Yankees. And then I figured out I couldn't hit. Um, but baseball was, was my big sport. I never played lacrosse or, or played hockey. Um, I got more into the hockey side of things when my kids started to play and I became a level four coach and, uh, and got more on that side of the things. And, and hockey and lacrosse are very close. Um, it was a oh, funny yeah. story too, that when I ran the Trenton Titans, we had a player named Scott, uh, we had a player named Hall, Mike Hall and Mike was our captain my first year. And we did a, uh, and when I got to Philly, we ran a free agent camp in lacrosse. And in that free agent camp, Kyle Buchanan was in that camp. So I went to sign Kyle Buchanan and Kyle said, you know, we met once before. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, when I was a little kid, my uncle was Mike Hall. And I used to run mm -hmm. around your locker room in Trenton, New Jersey. Small so, world. That's, that's crazy. crazy. So it became natural to kind of morph into working for the, I worked for the wings for two years and then we got sold to the New England Black Wolves and we went to the Black Wolves and the Mohegan Sun and then, and then came here. So that side of the business, on the business side, I've always kind of, that was my in on the business side. And then I, I, know, I know enough to know what I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit there and tell everyone that, oh my God, like X's and O's and stuff. That's not my, my part of it. But I, I surround myself with people that know that part of the business Laddie and Jimmy and Cross and Jonesy, they know the X's and O's. Um, I, I'll try to bring the culture part of it and make it us a team and add that piece with what they know, like we did in New England with Clarkie and, and those guys. Um, it seems to be a recipe for success. So we, I hope it keeps going in that direction. Were you, were you in Philly when I was there? No, I was, no. In, I was in Philly. I don't think we crossed paths. I got the Philly as like their business guy when Johnny Meradian was just finishing up as a coach. And then Johnny became the GM and Blaine Harrison was the head coach. Yeah. Okay. Cause I and played. Tommy Hayek. Yeah. I played, I mean, I've been in this league for a long time. I played, <laughs> I played one year, like me and Johnny, we've been together for a while. I kind of always somehow got back with him somehow. He traded oh, sure. me and traded me back, but I played one year as a coach for for him, but yeah, like, but I don't don't ever remember you being around. I, no, I think you were the I think you were the year before me, and then it was like Johnny's last year as coach GM. Yeah, and then they yeah. gave it to Blaine and Tommy Hayek, and we had Jim Milligan was yeah. our other assistant coach. Okay, that's when I kind of came in. Okay, beauty, the gypsy. Yeah, gypsy. What? Uh, <laughs> so did you did you get to spend some? You got to spend some oh. time with him? Oh yeah. I got to spend some time with him. I like Johnny. We got along, oh, but it was tough. It was tough being a GM after him. He made yeah, some promises at times. Yeah, he's a he's a great guy. But I mean, again, like it, it's funny because you ask him. I was playing for Team Cannon, and why we why players call him Gypsy and why his name is Gypsy is two totally different stories, which is hilarious because we're playing for Team Cannon, and then someone finally goes, "Why do they call you Gypsy?" and he said after the that the mud ball, like the 72 World Field Championships, he basically has traveled Europe. Like they won the championship. He said he's traveled Europe. So then everyone just called him the gypsy. He just kind of got on the train. But then in the lacrosse world, everyone kind of calls him the gypsy because again, there's there's promises and there's things that are are said and made that maybe don't always come true. So kind of like that scene in uh in Snatch. You want to get a van? You want to get a van? <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of why i think everyone else calls him gypsy but he is uh he is a great guy though he great guy really good guy. great guy i really he was great to me he taught me a lot 
he was a he was a great like mentor to me and 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 brought me around him and Frenchie. I have the utmost respect for yeah, Mike Frenchie. Yeah, Frenchie's an is, amazing um, guy too. Yeah, I love Frenchie. It was the hardest. I think one of the hardest conversations I had was when I was leaving the Black Wolves was talking to Frenchie about it because I just I I love him so much. He's such a good he's such a good human being. He's treated me so well. For sure, for sure. How did you? Uh, I'm just I'm buzzing around the LinkedIn page no, here. But how did you? How'd you get in with the Niagara Ice Dogs? How'd that happen? Coming from the uh, Trenton Titans, um, I had that hockey background. I was a coach too and involved a little bit there. So Blaine Harrison, his sister married into the Burke family and they owned the uh, Niagara Ice Dogs. So Blaine introduced me to his sister and his cousin, his uh, nephew, Joey Burke and, and those guys. And we started talking. I said, oh, my background was in hockey. I was a GM of the team, you know, blah, blah, blah. We won. And they said, hey, we need a scout in the, in the East Coast in the, in the United States. Would you want to scout for us for a couple of years? So it worked perfectly because my oldest son was playing three years of junior hockey. And my younger son was just coming up through hockey. So I was at the rinks all over New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Maryland. So I, I scouted for them and, and uh, we had one guy drafted from the East coast there. I gave them five. They took one. He didn't make it too well. The other four did pretty well. I said, you should have taken the other four, not the one guy I probably gave you. I was going to ask, is there any diamonds in the rough that you gave him? But <laughs> The one guy I gave him didn't, didn't pan out. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. So, I mean, moving into, uh, into lacrosse and kind of how, yeah. you know, you're with the black wolves, obviously you touched on that, but, what's uh what was kind of the early lessons for you like trying like figuring out you know how much of this game is centered around like Ontario guys or BC guys Canadian guys like things like that what was your first little bit on the job what was kind of like the shock factor or things that maybe you learned out of the gate you know it was tough too because I was I was an American and um I think at the time I I think at the time I was one of the only Americans maybe Doug Locker was still in the league at, at that point. And yeah. I think he was one of the only other Americans, but um, kind of navigating that way that the, the old, the old school Canadian network of dealing with GMs and things. And, um, and hopefully, hopefully not being taken advantage of. I, I hope that didn't happen. I'm sure at some points on some trades and things that did happen. Um, that was a little bit different. Um, not having players living in the marketplace. Cause I've always been used to, even in the arena football league, they lived there and it was so much easier to market and sell tickets when the people lived there. And in hockey, I had a lot of the guys that stayed in the Trenton area. So we did, a, we did a lot with those guys, even in the off season and, and ran camps and clinics. Like I, I still, I just um, gave it to my son, but I own my own hockey school with one of my own players for 20 years. And that helped us generate season tickets and buzz in the marketplace. But when I got here, the guys flying in on the weekend was like a crazy concept to me. Like I just didn't get what you guys did and how that happened and flying everyone all over the country and, and trying to market and sell tickets that way was really, really hard. And I, and I think when I got to Philly, it was such an established team and they had so many peaks and valleys with the team, right? They won early and then they were down. And then I kind of came in when it was in that down time where we weren't winning and making the playoffs and the attendance was kind of dwindling. So how do you kickstart a 28 year old team? What, what could you do that was different than they did before? So that was a really, really tough challenge. Um, and then I think when we went to new England, a tough challenge was, is we were owned by the Mohegan sun casino and they owned a basketball team, the women's basketball team. And they just thought, well, we'll just market to the same people that go see women's basketball. And 
we are not the same people that go see women's basketball. I remember my first year in New England, we were doing a season ticket drive and they had, I think we had maybe like 112 season tickets the first year. And they said, all right, we're going to call the Sun people to see if they'll buy season tickets. And 51 of their season ticket holders died. They were so old. So I was like, yeah, that's not our crowd. That's no. going to be who's coming to see us. You guys got to start marketing to this way. And then we started to pick it up a little bit. So I think that was a, a huge challenge was just learning the nuances of, of a sport that I, I dealt with. And I hate to keep saying it like this, but I dealt with a lot of Canadians and, 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 and that part in the hockey world. But we also had affiliates, right? We were dealing with, I was an affiliate to the Flyers and the Islanders. So they would send me players. It was, it was a lot easier because they were kind of doing that side of the business. And now with us, we had to do it all. And, and uh, that was a little challenging, I, I think, at the beginning. For sure. For sure. So, and then, I mean, obviously, you know, after that, you guys have success as a team and then you, you come into the, you know, I think it's what, three years now that you've been yeah. with, with, uh, with GF sports. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. we've, we've talked lacrosse, but there's, you know, your position with GF sports is obviously, you know, the entities that GF sports works through as well. So is that from what I understand, that's, you know, the tennis tournaments um, th there's, what is it, New York and then, we have Indiana? New York. We, well, we had New York. We moved New York to Dallas. So it's okay. called the Dallas Open and we have Atlanta. Um, so I'm directly responsible for the ticket sales. Our staff that we have here in Long Island is directly responsible for the ticket sales of that. Um, it was the first time we've taken over. When I say we, like they used to just sell the tickets as it went along in Atlanta. And then I, I, we developed a staff and said, all right, let us start selling all the tickets up here. And we, we set a record this year for ticket sales in Atlanta which I was, I was really happy about. We moved the team. We moved that other event to Dallas. We set a record in Dallas with ticket sales. So that was exciting. So developing this office here in Long Island into the hub of kind of where the ticket sales could come out of and marketing is also kind of out of here. Sponsorship has a little touch in here. Social media comes out of here. So we kind of try to run the events as much out of here. And then we have satellite offices and other people that take care of the events directly but the, the revenue part of tickets will come out of the Long Island office. That was a big task when I first got here was to try to get that off the ground. So when I, I first got here, I really did just the business side of the team and, and stuff and didn't get involved in lacrosse and, until later on. And then, um, you know, then, then, you know, what happened from there. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Well, we had to fix that side. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of a factory reset button <laughs> hit there, but what uh, I'm just reading this now. What is, what is the Wolfpack Ninja properties? <laughs> What so is that? Amer American Ninja Warriors. You guys know what yeah. that is, right? Yeah. Well, the, the athletes call themselves Wolfpack Ninjas. So we own uh, rights to the Wolfpack Ninjas and we put those events on throughout the country. We just finished two shows, one in Colorado, one in Hartford. And uh, we're rebooting that and trying to figure out how we can make it a better event. So we go into town on a Friday. People like yourselves, kids can do the event on Fridays and Saturday mornings. And then Saturday night, the pros do it. Sunday, the pros do it. And there's a prize money at the end. Um, so it's pretty, it was, it was pretty cool this year. We put it in Loveland, Colorado and Hartford and Loveland did really, really well. So we're going to try to figure out how do we reboot that and get it to more parts of the country. What would a prize, what would like prize money be for the, for the Wolfpack ninjas? I think, I think it's like $10,000, $20,000 or something. If you, if you win that whole thing. Yeah. So it's not, it's not that bad. That's interesting. Kind of like a, a traveling American Ninja Warrior. Is that yeah, it's, ex it's exactly it. Right. It's exact. It's the same apparatus as you see there. Is the same thing. We just put it in arenas. And then we just cool. bought. We just bought World Long Drive. So oh yeah. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to be uh, relaunching that in in the um, twenty 
2023. And uh, we're going to be uh, putting those events on too. So we're excited about that property. That's going to be an exciting where do you, property. Where do you, I guess you just hold those at like different golf clubs around the yeah. U.S.? And then just do you got to find a golf club. I got to find a golf course that gives you enough open space. Yeah, I need 400 to, uh, yards. Yeah, exactly. Those things are, those things are going to be massive and it's a good made for TV yeah. event too. And a good sponsorship activation kind of like, we're going to make it kind of different than what it used to be. If you think that 16 pole at the Phoenix open, that's what we're going to make these events with bands yeah. and vendors and party and people hitting the ball 500 yards. That's awesome. Just having so fans right at the edge of the uh, of the yeah. fairway, just getting pegged by that <laughs> German monster Morgan Bergheimer or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> you should exactly. just really, you should just really open the floodgates, allow people to be able to throw their empty beers at the guys and stuff, and throughout if they don't like them. Hey, no, no, no ideas out of out of whack. If it's going to make us some money, we'll look at it. Like I want it. to have a I want to have a celebrity one where we do one for NLL guys, and you guys get up there and do it. Well, the oh, NLL. I might win. It. I might win the world's shortest drive, but Molly <laughs> <laughs> could be that. in the running. You know, who could be in the running. Ryan Smith. I took him to the simulator. He can pound the ball. But yeah, that'd be that'd be super fun, though. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That's cool. That's good stuff. So, I mean, obviously, you know, from a lacrosse perspective, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to build the team and win some games and stuff, but yeah. in terms of kind of the overall business and, and you talked about, you know, acquiring that, um, the long drive, is there, what, what else is kind of on the horizon or, or what are the, we look at the a lot of different things. Yeah. We look at a lot of different things. Being a private equity company it comes across our desk all the time. There's a lot of, we almost, we almost uh, purchased World Cornhole, uh, American Cornhole League, that, that cornhole thing you see on yeah. ESPN. We were in negotiations with those guys. It just didn't seem to be a fit. We looked at things like the X Games. You know, we'd look at that. They just got sold to another private equity firm. We get hit up all the time for European soccer leagues. So we do our valuations. We run them through the analysis. We see if it makes sense. A lot of, I think it's exciting that we look at a lot of European soccer teams. They come yeah. across our desk a lot. And, and I think that's really starting to kick off now with that Wrexham show with mm -hmm. yeah. Michael Henney and Reynolds and stuff. And, and now everyone wants the American investment and things. So those ones we've evaluated a bunch of times. That was, that was pretty cool to look at. Um, Anything that, uh, you know, any niche sport that we think we can help out with, the, the difference with us too is that we're just not, you know, we're not buying it and giving people money and just saying, here's our money, go do what you want. Like we want to be involved in the management of it. Yeah. Um, you know, they bought uh, at one point before I got here, they owned the Blue Man Group and they sold it to Cirque du Soleil, but they ran, we ran the Blue Man Group. Our, our group of, our group of GF sports people who were here before Sean Tilger and myself, they ran it. And they ran this blue man group and then sold it to Cirque du Soleil. That's a pretty exciting thing. Um, so I, I hope we get to do some more of that. We just keep exploring to see what what makes sense. Silly, a nice a nice ticket to sell that to Cirque du Soleil. Yeah, that was a good one. I think yeah, they did pretty well on. They would have made some cash. Silly question: Is there more than one blue man group? That's a good question, Paul. I don't know because I wasn't here, but I think there right. are more I think it's than just, I think there's I think there's multiple people in that that they yeah, do. Like yeah. that's what I think. That's a good question. I have to ask Eric that one. Yeah, we should be uh, more than one. Paulie, we're, there's a retirement plan. We just do we pick a different color and then we yeah. just go up there and just I won't even have to shave my head. I'll be it'll be gone by then and you'll, <laughs> yeah. you'll just have to shave yours down. I'll have to put the cap on. I'll yeah, be... yeah, exactly. But so what uh I mean you know, obviously in terms of kind of free, free time stuff, you're doing them, you're doing marathons, you're doing other things like that, yeah. but 
you know, how much of this is just like you're because we're playing on weekends, you're coming to games like is this, yeah. you know, sports is a, it's a seven day a week type gig. Eh? Oh, yeah, it, it, it's like um, and that's one of the someone once asked me a question like I, I had the opportunity to go into like the NHL and, and stuff and, and and I never really jumped into that level of the sport because I early on. Um, I made a commitment to, uh, I wanted to raise my kids. Like I grew up without really, I, I had a stepfather that was, was, a, was not a great guy. So I didn't grow up with a father figure. And I always said, I wanted to raise my kids. So I, I, I wanted to make sure that my life fit within my family life and my, my passion of sports would fit there. And um, so it has, it is a seven day a week job. Like I tell people all the time when I talk to college kids and high school kids about being in this job, we work when other people are relaxing. People come to a game to relax and eat and drink and have fun and we're working. So if you don't love what you do and have passion for what you do, you shouldn't be in sports. That's just, we work on Godful hours and we don't make, you know, everyone thinks it's so glamorous, but you know, you guys see what happens behind the scenes. We're lugging cases of soda and, and, and equipment and things. And it's not as glamorous as everyone thinks. So um, yeah, I, I, it is a seven day a week job. I do every day I wake up, I say, what can we do to make this Riptide team better? And every day when I go to sleep, I say, hopefully I did the best I could to make this Riptide team better. And that doesn't turn off. So mm -hmm. if you don't enjoy what you do, but I also think it can take over your life. So for years, like when I was at the WWF, that's all we did. I didn't do anything else. Everything I did was based around that. And then like we would have an off day and all of us would play softball together. All of us would play basketball together. And, and it just became all in consuming. So Later on in life, as I got older, uh, I, I wanted to branch off and, and, and kind of get a better work-home life balance. So um, one of the reasons I moved to the beach is I'm a huge beach guy. I love to surf. So, um, you know, I try to surf a couple of days a week in, in the off season and, and up to November. Um, I started running half marathons. That's a big thing for me. I run four or five days a week. I have to, if I don't run, I don't feel like a I've accomplished anything uh, on that day. And then a couple of years ago, I, I took up transcendental meditation. So I, uh, I meditate two times a day for 20, 20 minutes a day. Um, that's been transforming, life transforming for me. It's been the greatest thing I've ever done. I, I think it's been awesome on how to deal with people and situations and, and, and just overall way of thinking things. But if you don't incorporate that into this business, it can be all encompassing sports, world entertainment world can be all encompassing and if you don't turn it off you bring it home and it's hard it's hard to live in home with all that that's you started meditating when you had to deal with our group right <laughs> <laughs> that's probably what happened. you guys you guys are easy you guys yeah. weren't bad there was some other teams boy i tell you there was some other teams that were difficult difficult but our group was good once we once we figured things out we're all right we're getting yeah. there we're, we're getting there away. so what do you think i think kind of maybe last one like in terms of just like a whole you know you've seen the you've been involved in lacrosse for some time now like you know where do you what what have, what can you say maybe about the evolution of the league and, and where you think it uh it needs to go to kind of get the growth that we all we all want you know and i i, I this is my ninth or tenth year with the league and and you know paul you've been you've been in it longer than that so you've seen a lot of things for, that that i haven't seen but from where we came nine years ago with nine teams and we were always kind of hovering in that nine teams like lose one but gain one back there was never any momentum to go forward so when they made that switch to nick Sakevich, you know nick's job was to build the league in franchises and now we're up to 15 which is great um i think brett i work uh, i've worked closely with brett um 
on my mark, I'm, I'm in the marketing committee and I'm on the player relations committee and the competition committee. So I've got a chance to know Brett and um, our new commissioner. And I think he is fabulous. I think he's going to do a great, great job for us. His visions are really good. He knows how to build something from scratch, even though we're not scratch, but we kind of are scratch. Um, the, you know, having a 15 team league is a lot different than having a nine team league having a 15 team league that's on the verge of ESPN contracts and TSN contracts and, and really having to take that next step in the, in the sponsorship world. We've always kind of hovered in that mid sponsorship world. That's where he comes from, right? He built Tony Stewart Haas racing from, from nothing. He was the first employee. So he gets it. He understands it and his vision and the way he he's been handling things so far I have the utmost respect for him and, and I'm on board. I'm, I'm a big Brett Frude fan. I'm on Brett's train and I think he's going to take us to this next level. And, and I think this sport is what is, well, I should say this. What is the net, what does everyone think the next breakout sport can be? And we have all the, we have, we have the pieces, right? The, the product on the field is tremendous. If you get someone to watch a game they will get hooked. There's a lot going on and the games have been exciting. The crowds have been exciting. Now we just need that other business side to take it to the next level, like an ESPN, like a TSN, like big sponsors, like some linear TV, get us out there in that linear world, um, get us onto the new platforms that are happening. Is it Hulu? Is it Amazon? Is it Netflix? Those behind the scenes things for everyone that's watched that Netflix Formula One show. I, I wasn't a Formula One person, but I watched that show and, and now I'm hooked. Like I want to see that. We have those stories to tell. And I, I truly believe um, Brett, from the plan that I've seen, he's the guy to take us to that next level. So it's exciting when you look at the ownership groups we have now. I mean, Paul, again, I'll throw it back to you. You were here when Russ and Chris were probably doing it and, and some ownerships groups that were a little different than what are today. Oh, yeah, for sure. And again, like kind of along the same lines when people ask me, it's like I've seen our league grow. I've seen our league shrink. And I've seen like kind of what you said, just stay status quo for, you know, a lot of years. It's just that nine kind of just like you said, hovering. And again, we're on this trajectory now. But again, I think what's a little bit different is obviously the landscape of just social media ways to get the league out. But like you say, the, the ownership now is the biggest. Um, when I first came in, you know, we, we had own great owners, but not what you would want as a sports owner from kind of, you know, a financial background or whatever, right? Like mm -hmm. even you look at, you know, the old um, Washington stealth, like, Johnny Meridian got Denise Watkins to buy the yeah. team because she wanted a season ticket hold. She wanted a season tickets. He's like, well, we may be folding. So do you want to buy the team? She hung up the phone, called her husband, and then they bought the team instead of buying season tickets. So yeah. it's stuff like that, which is great, but it's like we need, again, Joe Size, people with connections in the sports world, and just that that stuff can't, can't be stressed enough to have these connections to – other big sports and like you say big sponsorships tv like that's that's the biggest difference what we have now for sure and when you think about it like the nba went through that right they merged with the aba and there was you know i watched that lakers thing with jerry yep. Buss, and he mortgaged just whole everything to make sure that team did well so every team goes through those growing pains and 
And we don't have a league without people like Denise Watkins. We don't have a league without Mr. Bannister who was up in Calgary and, and all of those people. And that's part of our history. We don't have a league without Russ and Chris, Russ and Russ and Chris Klein there. So yeah, those are the things we need, but to get us to that next level, you're right. All these NHL teams that have been big owners, like Eric and Eric and our group, that's been big Joe size of the world. Those people have different visions too. And there's, and they have a business background mm-hmm. and they look at it from a different lens, maybe not the lacrosse lens all the time. They're looking at it from a different lens mm-hmm. and that's good where you merge the lacrosse people with the business people. And that's, what's going to take us to the next level. So um, for me too, like you guys, I want to see the league do well. This is my livelihood. This is what I work on. And, and if I didn't believe in it, it, it would be tough for me to be sitting here with you guys talking about it today. But I, I truly believe that we're, we could be that next sport. We are going to be that next sport to kind of break into that next level. For sure. No doubt. Well, again, Rich, I appreciate you taking the time. I think it's, uh, it's, it's cool to get this. You got a, a pretty cool story and, and throughout, you know, the sports, uh, the sports world and um, to kind of get that management perspective and, and, you know, running the business part of it too is, is interesting. So I think people, We'll really enjoy hearing it. So again, appreciate you taking the time, man. But uh, Paulie, I don't think I've got. I think that kind of does it for me. I don't know if there's any other one last wrestling question you got. Yep, best best wrestling match you've ever seen live. Best wrestling match I've ever seen live was. Well, I think it was more like a scenario type thing. Was we were, and again, I'm from New Jersey, so I I became good friends with Bam Bam Bigelow. He lived. Neptune and I lived up the shore a little longer. So we traveled together. So I got to know Bam Bam and they were going to have Lawrence Taylor wrestle Bam Bam. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. whole gimmick was to have it happen at the Royal Rumble. He was going to push Lawrence Taylor and that was going to start the whole thing. Yeah, he pushed, so, doesn't he push him in the stands? Yeah, in the stands. Yeah, okay. And so it, it's funny in that tape, I was sitting behind Lawrence Taylor to the, if you were looking at the ring to the left of him and my friend Skip, who now works at Google was sitting on the right. And we were kind of there to be like security in case he fell backwards and hurt kids or whatever. And Bam Bam was supposed to push him. And uh, so we're all ready and we're there and, and Bam Bam walks out and he walks around the ring and he doesn't do it. And we're like, well, what's going on? And then he comes back and instead of pushing him, he punches him and he falls back and he's bleeding and he's cut and his glasses are broken. He's flipping out and, and, that's it. Like that's how we go off the air, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, this wrestler really punched Lawrence Taylor." And then we we'll go backstage, and Lawrence Taylor comes in, and he's all mad and screaming and yelling, and and why'd you do that? And Bam Bam's all upset, and he's not really talking. And Vince said, "You know, I told I only person I told to do that was Bam Bam because if you knew he was going to push you, you would have tensed up, and it wouldn't have looked real." So I told him to punch you, and that's now everyone believes this. And that's how it took off. And it, it went from there. And at that moment, I was like in awe. I was like, oh, my God, that was the greatest thing in the world. You're right. <laughs> if he would have told him beforehand, it wouldn't have looked real. And we took that to WrestleMania. And then at that WrestleMania, it was pretty cool because uh, I was also involved with getting all the NFL players to be in his corner and stuff. And I got to know like Chris Spielman and Ken Norton and, and those guys. And, and that was pretty cool. So I'd have to say that WrestleMania was, was awesome leading up to it. It's unreal. The, the amount of old school beauty name drops in this, uh, <laughs> and this podcast is good enough for me. So that's, that's great. Rich. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. And stay around, stay around in New York after you play us and then we can have a real conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, um, quick little story, a guy from work, um, we were running our bathroom together and 
this was just in the early stages of us doing this podcast. Me and Dan were kind of talking about, you know, do we want to do it? Do I want to wait till I'm done playing? Blah, blah, blah. And his best buddy was Test. I don't know if you remember that name. Yep. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the funny, we just kind of started, and he's, he went down to Florida and was hanging out with Test and with uh, Bubba the Love Sponge. Anyways, oh, and kind of along those, <laughs> along those stories that, you know, mm-hmm. get maybe a little bit hairy. But, and then I was kind of like, we were having kind of like, all right, we're, we're going to start this podcast. I'm like, that, these are the kind of stories we need. We're starting this podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so, awesome. And, it, and if I get Kevin to come, I'll get him to come to our Rochester game. Oh, yeah, that's for a, sure. That'll be a good thing. He's a yeah. good dude. You'd like him. He's a oh, great, yeah. great guy. Great that's guy. that's my childhood. Uh, Monday Night Wars is my childhood. Oh, yeah. I went to the oh, first yeah. ever pay-per-view event in Ontario, Canada. It was in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that was my childhood. Just getting choke slammed by my brother and his brother's <laughs> friends and then me doing it to my buddies because I was 10 feet taller than all of them. So trickled downhill. <laughs> Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. It does. That's good. I, I did the first, I did the first Monday night raw. We did a Monday night raw in, um, in the Manhattan center in New York city. And uh, I, I did the first Monday night raw. So it was, it was interesting when they do all these, uh, these anniversary shows to see it come where oh, yeah. it's come from. I, I bet that's what a, bit, what a business that thing's blown up pretty good for them. Yeah. They're making a good buck there. They're yeah. doing pretty well. They're doing, doing all right. Well. Well, are they, go, are they going to come back? Are they coming back to the Coliseum anytime soon? Yeah, they're trying, they're trying yeah. to get a, uh, they're trying to get a TV event in the Coliseum. We were just talking about cause AEW wants to go in there yeah, and he doesn't want to put AEW in there in case WWF gets bad. Cause he really wants a WWF TV event. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Which would be pretty cool. Have to get the boys out to that game or to out to that match. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be a good time. I like it. All right, Rich. Well, again, appreciate you. I know it's late and um, no but, uh, you're a busy man. Thanks, so guys. Uh, appreciate you sitting down. We were long overdue. So it's uh, some good stories there. And again, we'll uh, we appreciate what you do and we'll, uh, we'll chat soon, man. No problem, Dan. I'll awesome. see you next week. And okay. big dog, it was good, good meeting you. You too, Rich. Thanks a lot, buddy. Nice right. to meet you. Nice to meet you. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Okay. See you, Rich. to chat can't believe he said some of the things he did crazy gonna keep the people coming back but undefeated yeah the guy just is he's crazy but uh yeah um i think that i don't know i'm trying to think nothing else anything you guys got no big home opener for us this weekend so it'll be nice to yep be back in the roc donnie's donnie's pro debut so let's tune into that for the kid everybody is it back to back weekend for the pro debut or no? No, that's next week. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Is so, next weekend the one where Vegas is just stripped right out from under you guys? Uh yeah. That's fucked. <laughs> uh, I actually had someone who's uh texted me today about a like a coaching opportunity in Vegas. He's like, You want to stay for a couple of days? I'm like, let me tell you. I I would love to stay for a couple of days. Yeah. I'm staying for like six hours and then I'm flying Salt out. In the wound. Salt and yeah, Friday night, uh, we're playing Vegas. Um, is that is that going to be t- uh, 10 p.m. Pacific time or Eastern time? Uh, good question. I just uh, yeah, I pull that one this. Because is Vegas is Vegas on Pacific time? Well, yeah. this one's in Fort Worth, so this one's eight oh, okay. eight thirty eight thirty Eastern. Yeah, it's only two hours behind, right? You guys okay. Yeah, so eight thirty Eastern Friday night. I'll be. I'll have that thing queued up ready to rock yeah, it's uh it's obviously been a long wait long training camp first week by is kind of a tease so it's it's uh 
yeah, it's finally here. That's it. So, and then you get the opportunity to watch Polly on Saturday. Polly, who do you guys got Saturday? We got uh, the Toronto Rock. Nice. The Battle of the Doth Brothers, Dawson down in Rochester. Yep. That'll yes, be uh, that'll be good. Paul, have you guys ever gotten close to scrapping in a game? You um, not really. One time I was going haywire after a game. I think I was in Philadelphia. He was still in Boston. And I was going mental at the end of the game. And he kind of like grabbed me from behind. And I was like, I didn't know who it was. So it was about the fully go psycho. But then it was like big brother. He's like, hey, calm down, calm down. <laughs> And it's just like, all right, fine. fine. <laughs> I'm going to be grumpy about it, though. Yeah. Hey, literally, all the like, players in the NLL know all you have to do is tell Paul to calm down. <laughs> oh, and be his do. brother. <laughs> yeah. And oh. be 6'5 as well. Yeah. 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 And, and make sure mom's there because she would be pissed. <laughs> oh, man. My mom, I, I wouldn't. Honestly, if we did fight and my mom was there, I don't even know what she would. She would legit be in tears, hundred <laughs> percent. Like just full waterworks in the stands. She might, she might come on the floor and try and stop it. No, no, don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> she, uh, she jumped on the floor. <laughs> is she coming this weekend, Paul? Um, she's thinking about it. Yeah, we're just trying to trying to figure it out. Um, Dory's larger than a house right now, so. She- <laughs> <laughs> So she can't come down, but my mom wants to come down. So we'll figure it out. I don't know if any other family members are coming, but we can't. You just can't afford the hospital bills in uh, in the states if if the baby arrives early. That's fair. So um, now we'll figure it. Out. I don't know what's going on, but mom mom wants to come down. She wants to see her boys play. Oh, speaking we'll of that, I saw a tweet that made me laugh pretty hard. Like I forget who it was. Uh, I think it was, might have been Justin Falk. Like the way this tweet was worded, it was like Justin Falk just had a baby boy this morning and he will be in the lineup tonight. And somebody like quote tweeted it like, fuck that kid must be good. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And but, it's uh, undefeated, man. Yeah. Always. Yeah, it really is. But uh, yeah, I think that that pretty much does it for, for the, the Gildog episode number 68 here. Um, again, we appreciate everybody. Appreciate cottage Springs um, again, just giving us the ability to do what we do and you guys for listening. Um, but that does it for this week. See you next week for a hilarious episode number 69. All right. That Peace. does it. Peace. Take your first ride and run, baby, run. If you want a sign, this is it. You're mad, your magic, you're as hard as a gun. You want to play with fire, consider this. You'll chase the thrill if it's worth it Cause you never ever wanna work for it Take your first ride and run, baby run You got a spine of steel and a roar of thunder
like your favorite song. Chase me like your favorite drink. Write me Oh!